I watch film, but I'd be honest, I mean, when I first started watching film, I was just watching the game. Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host at Steedy the NFL on Twitter and of course follow the group at UK Packers and it is the UK Packers Super Bash week. Oh yeah, baby. So all the tickets have been sold out in the sense that we sold 100, we had 120 and we stopped selling them because we had to pay the venue. Uh, so it's exciting, it's exciting stuff. Looking forward to it. Um, the, we've got a few messages in from people who are going, who listen to the podcast and wanted to know the exact details. So uh, practice. 1pm at the venue, there's a field outside, uh, kickoff, 2pm, the game, UK Packers versus the Kansas City Chiefs, the doors open for the bar, uh, that will all be in at 5pm, but like there's residence bars and all the rest, because it's a hotel, so you can go in whenever you want, uh, and the buffet starts at 9, and the bar is open till 5am, we got the bar extension, so we paid the big bucks for that, uh, so you can drink pretty much 12 hours straight, although we wouldn't recommend it, so, this the the last podcast before the big bash. Uh, usually the podcast come out of a Monday. Um, I'm gonna be flying back into Dublin and then driving back to my house on the Monday. So I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get the podcast out. What I'd like to do next week is to bring some sound, some audio, you know, some shenanigans from the you know Super Bowl party. Let people know what they're in for. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna try to do a vlog. Right now, I've tried to do this before. And I felt like a dope, right? So first off, uh, punctuality. Not not that it's a problem for me. I just, I don't know whether it's an OCD thing. I just can't leave with, I'm not one of those people who leaves four hours before something arrives, sits down and, you know, meditates or reads a book. Can't do it. I always just have to leave and say, right, it takes 19 minutes to get there. Going to give myself 20 minutes. Let's pray and hope nothing bad happens on the way. So it's happened before uh, the last Super Bowl party when I was meant to go over, tog out. We usually have these in London. Uh, tog out, get on the field, have a game of flag with the boys, but uh, missed the flight. Got a bollocking from the air hostess and had to pretend that, you know, I w- it's one of those things where, like, it's, yeah, it wasn't my fault. Can I say that? Well, it is kind of because I should have expected some sort of delay. However, going through security, some Italian dude, like no offense to Italians, it's just he happened to be an Italian dude, right? Um, going through security and uh, decides he wants to bring a a pen knife onto the flight with him, which was fantastic. I just, I just don't know how a guy from Italy gets to Ireland and Ireland, uh, and doesn't know the rules of flying, because it wasn't his first time. Not unless he got there by boat, maybe he rode over. Um, who knows? I don't know. Uh, but tried to bring a pen knife onto the plane. I was delayed. I was cursing him, saying, Jesus, come on, man. Uh, then I was delayed getting through the gate and went in. And in fairness, the the you know thing closed 10 minutes before it told me that it was going to close. That's my excuse. That's all I'm saying. But the lovely women uh, for Aer Lingus, the air hostess, gave me a bollocking, but put me on the next flight. So I ended up getting over to London just a bit later than expected. Complete mess. Ugh. So... I wanted to vlog and do something kind of around it, but a few factors. One, I'm Irish. Um, I don't do emotion very well. So to be talking and, and into a camera as if anyone cares is difficult for me, right? Because like if you're a big Snapchatter out there, like fair play to you. But I just, I've tried it before. And like Joan says to me, yeah, you should do it. Why don't you do it? We have a UK Packer Snapchat. Um, I got on that and people gave me a bollocking for that saying, no, get on to Instagram. 
uh, where we have 12,000 followers. So we got into Instagram. But then you start getting paranoid because you'd be doing stuff. Because look at who actually cares? You know, because I see Joan and the sort of other female members of my family and extended family, you know, watch bloggers and the bloggers, you know, what they got famous because they can do makeup, let's say, right? Clothes and 1% of their material, as far as I can gather is clothes and makeup and the rest of it is just a load of balls it's just a lot of so got up today and me and dave went down and got a chipper next snapchat hey and then next snapchat her singing in the car and i kind of got like who cares like you have to have some sort of level of monster ego to do this type of stuff to actually think anyone gives to you know to about what you're doing from day to day hi steve here I like toast, but only with jam. No butter. That's important. Who cares? Who cares? Jesus Christ. But anyway, I digress. I'm going to try to do the vlog. um, Because I've been doing stuff for BetBright. They they came to me and said, look, we want to put NFL content on the website. And you've been doing it a while now. Can you help us out? And part of it was doing a vlog. And of course, I said, yeah, vlogging. It's no problem. So I've been doing vlogs. But it's different because it's to the point. It's no BS and I'm getting across the points I need to get across. So that's kind of what I want to do for uh, this UK Packers meetup. But instead of it just being, this is flag, this is the party, see you. You know, I'm going to try and I'm going to say it now. And hopefully when I say it, it becomes real. Is that I'm going to try vlog from maybe the day before um, when I get up, uh, when I'm going over. Because I have to fly over Saturday night, right? So get it going up. But I don't know if I'm going to have the balls to be standing in Dublin Airport going, so guys, getting on the plane. And I don't know if anybody out there wants to actually see it. Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to try um, and keep the camera on me, get a bit of B-roll. I've been watching a lot of Casey Neistat lately, a bit of Peter McKinnon action on the side. I've got some programs laid up and uh, myself and Ryan invested some cashola into some nice mics because we're going to kick off the youtube channel and all of these big plans that we have for the off season going into next season where it looks really promising but i just can't get my head around the whole egotistical vlog thing where you're standing there talking as if anybody cares and love me so what i'd like to do with the next podcast is for that to be sort of a snippet of some of the audio that we get uh, during the party get you know the fun that people are having maybe get some funny stuff that goes on because you know, it's any given Super Bowl Sunday. And bring some of that audio for the next podcast. So if I'm still alive, I would love to be able to bring you podcast next Monday. If it just doesn't show up on your feed, I'm dead. Or it I'm severely, you know, in bad shape from the Super Bowl party, which happens. Now, I'm not going to play flag more than likely because I'm going to try to get some of this vlog material. So I'm going to try to get out onto the field, be that dude in civvies. Uh, be the Evan Siegel, if you will, of the UK Packers for the day and try it out, get some pics. So stay tuned to all the social media channels, which is Instagram at UK Packers, Facebook at UK Packers. There's a closed group there. Get into that. Um, people will be organizing stuff. Um, and also the website, we're going to put pictures up on there. And of course, our Twitter, which is the bread and butter at UK Packers as well. And we have a newsletter. Get on the newsletter. We periodically release membership numbers as well when we can. So get on and sign up to be an official member as well. Anyway, that's the housekeeping out of the way. Now, this podcast, um, again, as you hear, it's it's only me. And I wanted to look at the big coaching changes that have happened in Green Bay. Um, and I was going through some of the, you know, the research for it. And the offensive side alone was big enough 
and I wanted to get across Joe Philbin and why I think that makes sense. And I wanted to hit on Mike Petton, but then I got so much material on Philbin and I waded through, you know, some research that websites had out about him and his achievements and his his shortcomings and all the rest. And it started to piece together exactly why this is exciting and makes sense. Now, what I really dislike about, um, you know, written media, about podcasts and all this type of stuff is that one person says something and then everybody becomes a genius, right? Now, I'd like to bring that to you and bring you some info, but I hate this stuff of like, oh, well, Joe Philbin's going to have an impact because... And I come up with some sort of blurb and you'll find the same blurb runs through everything else. So I'm not going to pretend that I know how Joe Philbin sets up his offensive schemes and all this type of malarkey, right? Because we know for a fact, and, and Joe Philbin, Philbin's come out and said it, um, and other people in the Packers organization, you know, Mike McCarthy's come out and said that as true as... It is, I don't know, and I'll go into that in a second, that they're rewriting the playbook. Now, is he actually going to rewrite the playbook? No. You know, it's going to have that sort of general basis, but they're going to try reinvent themselves offensively, defensively. We can see it the way they've changed the offensive and defensive positions in the coaching staff. So James Campen has gone from the being the O-line coach to now having the title of run game coordinator. Jim Hostler, the new guy who's come in, from the Colts with Philbin. He's going to be the pass game coordinator. And similarly on the defensive side of the ball, Winston Moss, uh, the linebackers coach, uh, is associate head coach. We've got uh, Patrick Graham who's going to be the run game coordinator on the defensive side, but also coaching the inside linebackers. And Joe Witt is going to be the pass game coordinator, which is a bit of a step up from just being the cornerbacks coach. right? So we've seen them change the structure slightly. That apparently allegedly um it's what we're told is as a result of a kind of review of how the communication was getting around the organization and how uh you know mark murphy put it that there was silos so even from a kind of administrative perspective where mark murphy you know because if you have jerry jones in there you know that he's in the war room you know that he has a big say it's his team it's his money so mark murphy set up the structure that way that the head coach reports directly to him um, and that the general manager reports directly to him. So it's it's a lot of change. It's a big time change in the organization. But as I went through and looked at the offensive side and the defensive side, there's so many new characters now. There's so many sort of new setups. Um, and there's interviews out there with all of these people. And you, we look at their CVs and resumes. I got overwhelmed, wept, uh, got into a cold shower with my clothes on, rocked back and forth for some time, and then decided that what I'm going to do with this podcast is is look at Joe Philbin, touch gently, ever so gently around, you know, James Campen and Jim Hostler um, and how they kind of feed into this. David Ray, or A-I-H, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right, uh, is very interesting. I'll talk about him a tiny bit, but more so the focus on Joe Philbin. So this podcast is who is Joe Philbin and why it makes sense. Now, an awful lot of Pack Nation out there will remember Joe Philbin uh, from Green Bay before. It ended in tragedy, I suppose, uh, between what happened to to Joe's son and also what happened in the playoffs. And all of that coincided to kind of to hang a dark cloud over it. Philbin ended up moving on and going to Miami to become the head coach. Um, but now he's back and, you know, that question was raised to him. But anyway, Joe Philbin, age 56, is the new Packers offensive coordinator. So... You know, we have a new OC, we have a new DC. Mike Petton is the defensive coordinator, Joe Philbin being the offensive. And both of those guys have one thing in common. And that's the fact that they've both been head coaches. And that's that's invaluable experience-wise 
because Joe Philbin has been there with the Dolphins and I'll talk about his coaching record and why that's important in a second. So he's been a head coach. So now he doesn't have to, because look, at, let me put it this way, right? Um, you're in a job, you commit entry level, you look up at the people above you and there's an assumption that they're out of touch, that, you know, they don't care about you, they don't say the right things, that you're a boss. Pretty much 99% of the people listening to the podcast, not unless you work for yourself, and even then you probably get pissed off at yourself, right? You sit in your car and you curse your boss. It's just what happens at every level is that they'll do something and you don't quite appreciate it. It's the same if anybody is a parent. So you're a kid, you're like, ma'am, get off my back, leave me alone. Dad, I'm not texting me when I get home. Don't be so, so, you know, give me some space. And then you become a parent and you realize that is the one thing that you want your child to do is let you know that they're safe um, because that sort of heightened level of anxiety just never goes away, okay? So similarly to working in a, in a place, you only appreciate it when you become that person. So when you become the manager and you become the senior manager, you go, oh, I can kind of see where we're, they were coming from now. You are out of touch. Everyone gives out about you and sits in your car and talks about you to their missus when they go home. So Joe Philbin has been in that spot. He's been the head coach. He knows what it's like. But he's happy to be the offensive coordinator. He's happy to be back in Green Bay. He's a family man. It's a family decision. And he's at the right place at the right time. So the whole coaching staff of the, of the Colts were let go. And that's how this happened. And that's how we nabbed Jim Hostler as well, right? So that's invaluable that Joe Philbin has been in Green Bay. He knows the system. He knows the players. He works well with McCarthy. Uh, it's the right time for him to come back under better circumstances. He's been a head coach. He knows what he needs to do and give to McCarthy and what McCarthy as head coach would appreciate, which you can only get if you have an understanding and have been head coach. That's not to say that, you know, there's a ton of people out there, obviously, who've never been head coach and have been fantastic in their coordinator jobs. Absolutely. But it gives that heightened sense that Joe Philbin is a fantastic offensive coordinator and has been an unbelievable offensive line coach throughout his whole career. And now he's got that extra edge which is that he's done the job before. Similarly with Mike Pettin. Now, the difference between the two, I guess, is that Mike Pettin was asked, would he want to be offensive coordinator again? And he said, absolutely not, no way. He was with the Browns. It was a terrible situation. Um, and he said that it took him a good two years to kind of get back into the game, to, you know, see colours and smell smells, is how he put it. Uh, very frank guy, really liked him. Uh, go back and listen and watch his interview. He's a witty guy. And he does seem like he has no nonsense. My favorite phrase that he used was when Jason Willey asked him, you know, that everything he was saying was very cerebral. Does he ever get at the people, judge a book by his cover? Saying that he looks like a badass. He looks like a guy who's going to murder you uh, on site. And, you know, he's also intelligent, not a knucklehead. And I'd agree with that. Like, And he said <laughs> he's been told before that his resting gaze is not a pleasant one, which again was quite a cerebral way with saying he's got resting bitch face. Which is something that I have. I mean, I it's countless times has a builder said to me, no offense to builders, they just say to me for some reason, uh, here, young lad, smile, it might never happen. You know, and I'm kind of thinking, all right, man, what if it already has? But anyway, so he has that kind of, you know, thousand oil stare, whatever you call that thing. Um, so he doesn't want to go back into head coaching. But again, he understands what it's like to be in that job, how difficult it is, and he will facilitate Mike McCarthy in every way to be better. So that's exciting. Anyway, quickly running through the offensive coaches as they stand. Joe Philbin, offensive coordinator. 
James Campen has gone from O-line coach to O-line and run game coordinator. Jim Hoster has become pass game coordinator. He's new. He's coming over from the Indianapolis Colts. David Ray, a receivers coach. And if there's one thing that you do after this podcast, one takeaway that you do, apart from following all the social media accounts if you don't, is look at David Ray's interview on Packers.com. He just... It's the oddest thing. It's really weird, uh, the thing that I've seen. He's been with the Packers now for a while. Um, he's obviously good at his job. He's been trusted to do the wide receivers. Coach, he's working with some big names. But even he says himself that he's gone from the film room to have to do interviews. And he's just babbling now. And he's just he just keeps talking. It's just They ask him one question and then seven hours later, he's like, oh, well, ask me something else. Hilarious. Watch him. Great crack. Ben Sermon's running back coach. Nothing's changed there. Uh, Frank Signetti quarterbacks coach very established guy Jeff Blasco assistant O-line coach and Brian Angelico is back with the tight ends so Jim Hoster let's talk about this guy he replaces Luke Getty uh, he went off to Mississippi State so Jim Hoster's in that position now now he's worked with um quarterbacks he's worked with wide receivers tight ends he's been the offensive coordinator for the uh, San Francisco 49ers it didn't go well so originally they'd offered this job uh to Edgar Bennett, but they demoted him from offensive coordinator um, and gave him the pass game coordinator role. And he said no and buggered off to the Raiders, which is fair enough. He didn't want to take the demotion. Um, and Edgar Bennett, great guy, brilliant uh, in Green Bay and has gone on to what he would deem as bigger and better things. No one likes to, to get a demotion. So Jim Hosser from 2000 to 2002, you see on his resume, he's this quality control stuff. And he did that with the Chiefs and the Saints. Not much to talk about there. For two years, 2003, 2004, he was with the Jets as the quarterback and then the wide receivers coach. Then from 2005 to 2007, he was with the Niners as the quarterbacks coach and then the offensive coordinator. Now, by all intents and purposes as an OC, a disaster. Uh, Frank Gore was coming out saying that this guy, no one trusts his play calling. There was mismanagement of the game. And, you know, it just didn't work out for him there. But from what we hear from everybody else is that this guy is fantastic at his job when he's dealing with tight ends or wide receivers or quarterbacks. When he takes that sort of one grouping, he's been fantastic. And he's been in the league doing that with quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends since 2003. It's a long time. Then he went to the Bills to become a senior offensive assistant um, in 2014 after a six-year stint with the Ravens where he worked with older wide receivers, which is really going to benefit us because he's going to be taking over uh, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, who saw their production fall off a cliff last year, which, yes, is down to Aaron Rodgers not being there, but that didn't happen to Devontae Adams. So, you know, I don't have enough insight to tell you whether that's the route running, whether you can have chemistry uh, with Brett Hundley when he lacks so much in different parts of his game and then all of a sudden he just has this chemistry with Devontae Adams or Devontae Adams was always getting open and the other guys couldn't get open. Have they lost a step? Do they need to be schemed a different way? This seems to be the guy that's going to do it. So six years with the Ravens, 2008 to 2013, Bills, 2014, Colts, wide receiver coach in 2015 and then he was tight ends for two years uh, and which was the last two years so as a tight end coach in indianapolis he was the reason why we know who jack doyle is so anybody who plays fantasy you'll know the guy jack doyle um sounds irish probably is irish i'd love to talk to him so Dwayne allen and doyle ended as two top 10 tight ends in uh, passing touchdowns whilst this guy was tight ends coach 
Now, Dwayne Allen, we all know he's a household name. Jack Doyle, not so much. So he did fantastic things. Um, Hosser worked with both Philbin and McCarthy throughout his time. And this is what we kind of see in all the articles out there. Worked with Mike McCarthy um, in New Orleans. He was the assistant wide receiver coach there for two years when Mike McCarthy was offensive coordinator. And then when McCarthy went to the Niners, um, Hoster was the quarterback's coach in San Fran in 2005. And then for the last couple of years, he's worked with Joe Philbin in Indy. Now, apart from these two lads being bold, they've more in common. Uh, There's interviews on Packers.com where they said to him, how come you and Joe speak so kindly of each other? And he was just saying, look, you know, we're peas in a pod. It's He's both. No, I didn't say that. He was saying, like, you know, we're both kind of quiet guys, good communicators, the same game philosophy and the same personality type. Sometimes that clashes, but for these two guys, it works. So I'll get on to Joe Philbin now, but again, that's another piece to this puzzle here is that now Joe Philbin, who Mike McCarthy is going to trust to build this playbook out, to give him the info that he needs, David Ray to give him the info from the film room, you know, when they're working their way down the field here. And now Jim Hostler, who Joe Philbin trusts. So now at multiple stages, sort of levels of the organization Mike McCarthy has built a team underneath him both on offense and defense and I'll get to defense in a different podcast that he can really trust that the information that he's getting is quality information from very very experienced personnel and not only that like Joe Philbin came out and they said to him like what's how does he see his role and all of this type of lark the typical media sort of you know fodder and he said that his job is, quote, to help Mike McCarthy be the smartest play caller in the National Football League and to help our offense score points, period. That's it, unquote. So, you know, it's his job to make McCarthy look good and it's Hostler's job to make Philbin look good. And Hostler kind of mirrored almost the exact same sort of philosophy when he was interviewed. So already, even though they've only got together and they're starting to go through, you know, player evaluation and all this type of stuff, is that already they have this ethos of he's got to raise his game so the guy above him can raise his game and that's got to go all the way to the top. So there's new energy in the building. Everyone's excited. And that's something that even David Ray had said that he's going to bring an awful lot of energy to his role. So now Joe Philbin, this move makes a ton of sense. Like in danger of becoming repetitive, He's familiar to the organization. Um, he was with the Packers, and I'll go through his sort of his resume. He was with the Packers from 2003-2011 for nine years. He's familiar with the place. It feels right to him now. He's been a head coach, so he knows what how to act and what to do and what to give to McCarthy, what McCarthy needs to stay out of. Um, he's been an offensive success, particularly on the O-line, wherever he's worked, and I'll go through some information, some fantastic info actually that they found on the Colts website about him, um, about his sort of stats with the Colts and how outstanding that was. But he's been an offensive success with the O-line wherever he's worked and he's worked with a ton of rookies before. And he was tasked with going into the Colts and becoming their O-line coach at a time where they were famously crap. Awful. Andrew Luck is banged up the way he is because he keeps getting smushed into the ground the whole time because his O-line was terrible. And Joe Philbin had the just awful job of going in to try and prove it. And he did. And I backed that up with stats. So when he was with the Dolphins, he never had a winning season. The best that he did was 8-8. Eight and eight. But he improved the team year on year. 
when he was there, apart from when he got sacked at the very end. And offensively, they were always fantastic. And he, along with Ryan Tannehill, he did some fantastic things that haven't been done since Dan Marino was there. Defensively, not so good. But he doesn't have to, obviously doesn't have that responsibility now. So that's why he's offensive prowess that's been proven and now he's been brought back for that fact McCarthy referred to Joe Philbin as a teacher David Ray said that to have Joe Philbin and the level of integrity that he has is almost impossible to find in the NFL not that all these dudes don't have integrity but the fact that Joe Philbin has such a good standing in the NFL has such football knowledge you know has such command of a room is a teacher um on the official Packers podcast we heard Wes Hotquit say that when he was talking to Sitton, who he sort of referred to, I can't remember the word that he used, um, but kind of a gruff guy. He was known for that. Uh, he said that although him and Philbin knocked heads, that, you know, he still garnered that respect and Sitton had an awful lot of respect for the guy and really loved Joe Philbin. So Philbin, as quiet as he is and as great as he is to, to interview, he still isn't afraid to, you know... Be your friend and slap ass, but also hand it to you when you do something wrong. And that's exactly what we need. But if he's an offensive line maestro, as is James Campen, by the way, who's in there. And he's going to be tasked with the run game as well, which makes sense because he's going to have to break open those running lanes through the O-line. So he's going to have James Campen underneath him. And the two of those guys are going to work on an O-line that's going to be probably the best O-line in the NFL. Now, I hate conjecture and you know going into at this stage in the it's not even a season in the off season and saying oh well this is what i predict i mean can it you know but i do think that with his prowess with james campen who's the longest serving coach with the green bay packers and how well that he's done with the o-line with really experienced pro bowlers leaving the team for massive money even jc treader leaving uh, who had a fantastic year last year and was able to replace them with Lane Taylor and David Bakhtiari. He's done fantastic since he's came to the Packers. And there was a lot on his shoulders. What he's been able to do with the O-line has been fantastic. And the key to this really is. Is if Mike Pettin can do the job on the D. Let me rephrase that. If Mike Pettin can do the fantastic job with the defense. But then if they have Joe Philbin in there. Who's been proven to be fantastic offensively wherever he's gone. But more importantly. If they can combine the minds of Joe Philbin who's an O-line specialist with James Campen they can make that thing just a steel curtain and that lets A-Rod just stand behind that thing all day and you can let A-Rod do the rest now I'm sure that they're going to try and make improvements where and I know the Patriots get criticized for it about them being a system you know Tom Brady being a system quarterback and then being a system team and I talk about that in a recent article with Bet Bright, and I say, oh, that's a, a lot of balls. This isn't a plug for Bet Bright or anything, but whatever. Right? Is that, you know, maybe they want A-Rod to stop improvising so much and to actually genuinely open up the plays as designed and get him to get the ball out quick. Ideally, as an offense and as a team, that's what you want to be doing. However, if they have a steel curtain of an O-line and a great defense and A-Rod doing what A-Rod does, you know, we have Jim Hoster is going to come in and he's going to work with in the past game and he's got the best out of veteran wide receivers we could see a potent offense and improved defense because i look at the dvoas from mike petton on a different podcast and how fantastic he's been like this has the makings and i say this reluctantly of a super bowl caliber team and a team that 
you know, has an has a very bright future for the next couple of years. And the best thing that we can do, and you've got Brian Gutekunst, who's going to be the new GM, who is the new GM. So if he's not stingy in free agency, we could have finally the chips fall after a terrible season and put us in one of the best positions possible. Add to that, that the Dolphins were the least penalised team under Joe Philbin, which means that offensively, not only are they going to have a stout O-line, hopefully a fantastic wide receiver core getting the most out of our veterans along with good tight end play and we're not going to be penalized so we're not going to have big chunk runs good offensive play that are going to be scuttled by you know stupid penalties but that remains to be seen so joe philbin was with the packers under mike sherman who was there from 2003 to 2005 mike mccarthy from 2006 till he left to join the dolphins and, and then he was with Chuck Pagano with the Colts until he's after coming back here. So some great uh, minds there that he's learned from. Coached at a college level from 84 to 2002 with the Packers for nine years from 2003 to 2011. Assistant O-line coach 2003, 04 to 05. Tight end and O-line coach 2006. O-line coach on its own. And then 2007 to 2011, he was the offensive coordinator. And we did well. We won the Super Bowl, obviously. We're the top 10 in total yards and total points. Four out of the five seasons that he was OC, we were in the playoffs, and 12 Packer players became pro bowlers. And in a five-year span, we were the third highest scoring offense uh, in points total, only behind New England and New Orleans. And if you look at the likes of the numbers that Drew Brees has put up and the records that he's broke, that's quite an achievement. Now, he went on to Miami, 2012-2014. They went 7-9, and 8-8, eight and 8-8. Eight and eight and eight. And in 2015, they went 1-3 and three before he was turfed out. So they didn't have a winning season. But according to the Colts website, they had the least amount of penalties. Ryan Tannehill surpassed 4,000 yards in, in a season. And the only quarterback to do that before him was Dan Marino. And another one that he did was is he had 24 touchdowns in his second season. And the only quarterback to do that was Dan Marino. Lamar Miller rushed for 1,000 yards. Tannehill went over 4,000 yards, which was the first time in franchise history, in Dolphins franchise history, that a quarterback and running back tandem could do it. Jarvis Landry came in and under Philbin's stewardship, he was the only rookie in team history to have 84 receptions. And I think he was the third receiver in Dolphins history to put up the totals that he did. So offensively, he was very potent. The defense uh, took a turn for the worst. So... After he was removed as head coach in 2015, in 2016, he goes on to become the Colts O-line coach. So we've seen him do fantastic things there. This was a Colts team who Pagano used to come out and criticize his quarterback, saying, I don't know why he gets injured, or why he thinks it's a surprise that he keeps getting smushed into the ground because he knows he has a crap O-line and he should be doing something about it, which is just a ridiculous way to go on. It's like saying... You have a car outside, it has no wheels, you know it has no wheels, I don't understand why you can't drive it to work. I mean, it's just, it beggars belief, that type of rationale just beggars belief. But they bring Philbin in, he's handed just a ton of rookies, four rookies played on the O-line, which was the most rookies to play on an O-line in the NFL of that year. And they ended top 10 in fewest sacks allowed down the stretch. So the last eight games of that season, they ended up in the top 10. They were seventh, according to the Colts website. Frank Gore rushes for over a thousand yards. He was the first Colt 
to reach that marker since Joseph had died in 2007 and he was 33 years old. Now we always joke that Frank Gore is at least 74 but John Riggins was the only other dude to do it back in 1984 and here is Frank Gore having a resurgence with the Colts much to the delight of fantasy owners. Andrew Luck finished top 10 in the NFL in passing yards and T.Y. Hilton was the number one wide receiver in receiving yards, which is 1,448. Ended up becoming a pro bowler that year. So again, you know, Philbin goes in, improves the O-line, gets a bunch of rookies, makes them one of the best O-lines. And I'm going to say the best because they're, you know, top seven, let's say. But I mean, who goes by that moniker in the NFL down the stretch? And they moved, I think there was something like, I think I read that there was 16 different O-line combinations throughout the season. And you're dealing with rookies here and one of the hardest positions to play against really experienced defensive linemen. So the rationale behind all of this is is just brilliant. That McCarthy's worked with him before. Jim Hosser's worked with him before. He's been a head coach. He's coming in with James Campen. There's enough experience with Ben Sermons there at running back coach. Uh, Frank Signetti brings in some ridiculous experience as a quarterback's coach. Brian Angelico is working with the tight ends once again. He's not going to have the headache and nightmare of Martellus, uh, Martellus jump off a sinking ship, Bennett, who's gone to a different team. So we have the potential to have a really potent offense. We're talking a big game, but let's see how it pans out. It's very exciting. I'm very excited. So tragedy that struck Philbin when he was last in Green Bay. And to anybody who you know, is new to it or doesn't know a whole lot about Joe Philbin. There was a tragic story of uh, Philbin's son who died just a couple of days before the Packers played the playoff game and lost to the Giants. And it was the season that we had a fantastic season and then this news hit and I still remember it and it was a really dark news piece. So his son Michael went out with friends in Green Bay and he went missing and it turned out that he had went out onto the Fox River and fell through the ice. He was twice over the legal driving limit for alcohol from toxicology reports and had marijuana in his system. Now, I was kind of reluctantly going to talk about this because, you know, it's it's a pretty sad topic and I actually didn't like the fact that they asked Joe about it, although I suppose the part that I didn't understand or I can't get a proper sense for is, is that these journalists who've covered Green Bay, most of them have been doing it for donkey's years. So they know Joe, they have a lot of affection for Joe and Joe's a lot of affection for them. And it's like family, like everything else in Green Bay. Joe uh, said that it felt right, that yes, it was a, you know, a factor that he had to consider coming back um, to kind of, you know, the scene of, of the tragedy and that he'd asked his daughter, who's still in high school, would she mind coming back and, and switching schools again? She gave it the green light and they came back. So Joe came out and obviously spoke at a loss at the time and said that if this, if one thing that this does, it serves as a reminder, and I'm going to quote it, to us all that the mixture of alcohol and marijuana can be extremely dangerous and potentially even fatal. So, um, you know, illegal substance plus alcohol, a bad mixture. And it's something that Joe's sort of had to carry around with him now for forever and it's only going to be brought back up again now that he's back in Green Bay so if anybody you know reads about the tragic story or why that they asked him that question that's the reason why and it's pretty sad and it's I think it's why an awful lot of Packer fans you know we all like Joe anyway but we feel an awful lot of affection for him after that happened to him 
and that devastation. He'd interviewed to become the Dolphins head coach two days before it happened. And I think the way it all panned out was, is he kind of got a way to get out of Green Bay at the time, to leave all of that stuff behind. And now he says that it just feels right. And he talked about coming back to Green Bay with the Colts. And as he was coming in on the bus, is that it just really felt like it was a homecoming for him. So it just felt right. So that, that was nice to hear from Joe. So this move makes a ton of sense. But there is a lot of change in positions, in personnel. So how all of that gels and how the players adapt to so many new faces around. But it should bring, as long as it's managed correctly, an awful lot of energy to the building. But look, I'm going to leave it there. That's Joe. I'll talk about uh, Mike Petten probably in the next podcast after this, you know, Super Bowl bash podcast. And we'll dig into a bit more of the coaching stuff. We've got some great podcasts coming up. Um, I'm going to be delving into some more history stuff, some more little tidbits and interesting things and maybe hitting you with a podcast a little bit more regularly. Um, but from myself, at NFL on Twitter, follow the group at UK Packers, and make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, get into that closed Facebook group, and keep your eyes peeled on all the social media channels for all of the fun and debauchery that goes on at our Super Bash. We'll talk to you then.